Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But someone like Lando Norris will probably have a, a points clause in his contract um, for McLaren with the, you know, saying, okay, this year we've got to get a certain number of points, otherwise I'm allowed to search for, for new employment. Um, it's quite common, but also it's it's a bit like in football where, you know, because one of the things I've seen, as, as, as we mentioned before the show, was that uh, Leclerc might be signing a six-year contract with Ferrari. Yeah. And you think that's a long, long time. But, mm. you know, I don't you remember when Alan Pardew signed an eight-year contract with Newcastle. Yeah. You know, so the, uh, contracts in sport are always kind of like, oh, we have, it, it's more just an annoyance to get over. If you want someone or someone wants to go, there's not really much you can do to actually keep them there. Um, if they're not happy about it, you've seen it with footballers when they, you know, even though they got a contract, if they don't want to play, they just don't come to training. Yeah. Which is, you know, we can't do that. Nobody. Does that really happen in Formula One? No. The last time someone really like spit their dummy out, dummy out, I can't really remember uh, someone like, refusing to race or something. For well, I, I think we remember the whole Oscar Piastri saga, which of was course, going on yeah. last year, right? <laughs> Yo, people, welcome back to On Track GP, the podcast. Your host to do the most and never cross Matisse in the building. And we're back. No F1 this weekend, but still plenty to talk about. Richard, how are we doing today? Yeah, how not bad, mate. I'm in a good mood. Arsenal winning the Community Shield over the weekend. <laughs> good start. Jurian Timbers become an absolute baller. So. You know, I, I was obviously, you know, saving myself for that, that moment where I knew you'd bring it up. And I was like, <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway. It's just a plate. It's just a dinner plate. It doesn't mean anything. It's fine. It's just, you just wish you were able to win that dinner Not plate. annoyed at all. I can't even be involved in it. But as a lot of news to discuss today, um, a lot of rumours circling around. Uh, first of all, Max Verstappen um, looking to create a two-car uh, GT3 racing team um, as a means to provide sim racers with a route into the competition, um, GT into competitive GT3 racing. Explain to me kind of like what, what is GT3 racing? What is that about? So GT3 is um, it, it's a type of sports cars and basically it is um very very highly racing modified versions of the road cars so okay. you've got for example your ferrari 488 you've got uh you've got your porsches i don't know which one it is now because there's so many porsches they all mm. look the same uh you've got your bmw <laughs> m4s um you've got a lot it's basically the the high-end mark for the uh 
for the high-end manufacturers. Mm. Um, but they're all based on the row car. And then they use something called balance of performance to make them all the same. Because obviously, for example, your BMW M4 is not going to be as fast on the road as your Ferrari 296s. Yeah. Uh, so what they then do is they, and they've got different engines, they, they've got different shaped chassis and everything. They then use some algorithms and testing to actually make them so that they're very, very level. So all the cars are able to compete against each other. Um, and it's a really exciting form of racing and it races all over the world in, in everything. You know, they're going to the World Endurance Championship Le Mans 24 hours next year. Okay. Um, and it's a very accessible way for, um, for you know, I would call, wouldn't say rookies, I'd call very experienced sim racers because they do have some driver aids. You know, you've got traction control, uh, anti-lock brake system. So it's quite easy to get in and be relatively competitive. Obviously, it's blooming hard to be at, at the front, but I think it's... Um, yeah, as an entry thing for some sim races, it's a cool level of competition. Is that like a is a is a would a fair comparison be like grassroots? No, 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 not at all, not at all. No, I mean it's it's honestly it's um, for GT racing. You have different types of sports car racing. You have the, the prototypes, which is what I've been showing in the onboard videos and what I try and specialize in. Mm. And then you have got the GT cars, um, which is the high end road cars. And the manufacturers have very very serious programs, and they are professional drivers in there, contracted to the factory. Um, you have many many former Formula One drivers actually competing in GT3. Many of the drivers on the Young Driver programs are doing it as well. Uh, Alex Albon was in GT3 a couple of seasons ago before okay. coming back to F1. Yeah. Uh, Liam Lawson was in it as well. Uh, you've got Robert Schwartzman, reserve driver for Ferrari. So some Ferrari. really good drivers are in this. It's seriously, seriously tough. Honestly, a lot of those guys um, would be, you know, on paper are good enough for Formula One. It's okay. seriously high level. Yeah. But you have different you have different categories within it. Mm. So you have a category for your full pros and then they look at your experience based on your racing cv and they give you a driver categorization so platinum for your world-class drivers gold for your upcoming you know kind of on the plateau of being world-class yeah uh, then your silver for your professional amateur trying to become professional driver and your bronze for your pure Rookie. gentleman hobbyist okay um, so you've then got different categories and so you're able to compete against people with similar levels of experience and ability to you. Mm. So I'm guessing this is kind of like a hint that Max Verstappen, maybe when it's all said and done at the end of his career, is still going to maybe want to be involved in racing. Because you see some drivers, as soon as they're done racing, they're gone. They're like out, yeah. out the doors. Maybe Hamilton may might be like that, but maybe Max is... Yeah, well, you, and you said Max wants to do Le Mans one day. Well, this is the perfect way to get into it. Yeah. Um, and also the other thing is with GT racing, you don't have the aerodynamic effects or to the same level that you do with Formula One. So mm. you don't get the dirty air, the turbulence effect. Um, so the racing is... And also because of the ABS and the traction control and the balance of performance, the racing is intense as hell. Is it? It is absolutely. Entertainment levels. Oh, is, it's is insane. Right I mean, Le Mans in GT a couple of years ago, I can't remember what year, it came down to the last lap. There were three cars battling for the win. <sighs> It is, and after 24 hours of racing, it is insanely intense. Um, and it's a lot of fun. All the yeah. drivers who I know who race it say it's some of the most fun racing they've I'm, ever done. I'm trying to Im imagine what the pit stops look like for a car that I can see on the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you know it's it, it's racing cars always have different things. Like for example, with the Ferrari, if you have a if your mirror comes off, for example, you don't just replace the mirror in the pit stop; you just change the door. 
the door's just got a couple of little clips on it and you just literally unclip the door, put a new one on. It takes about 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, if you could have that happen in your quick fit, it would make everyone's life a lot when easier. Right? Pull up, this doesn't seem to be quite so simple, but yeah, no, when you say it like that, exactly. yeah, it makes sense. Um, that's really interesting. I'm quite, I'm quite interested to see how that, that gets along for Max because I'm interested to see his kind of character development outside of just the F1 car. I feel like there's mm. still like a lot of potential and a lot of kind of like unseen sides of max that we don't know yet so this is kind of like a little maybe inkling to what he's what he's interested in um doing after but toto wolf also um in a cycling accident on holiday um and it doesn't seem to be the first time fracturing an elbow um had also been seen in a, in a paddock a few years ago with a cast um and splint after a previous incident so yeah, I mean that's a shame for Toto. Yeah, I tell you, it's a shame. It's a sh it's a shame for his blooming table because it's bad enough when he slams his fist on that table yeah. when he's just got his skin. Now he's got a cast on it. So you <laughs> think what's going to happen after that, man? Do you know what? I think I think Toto. Yeah, he's he's had some stressful couple of years. I'm not gonna lie. Ever since what happened at Abu Dhabi, it's just been downward spiral for Toto ever since then. Um, also, this is something that I did see over the weekend that I was absolutely gobsmacked. I couldn't wait to talk to you about, which was Carlos Sainz reportedly. Um, agreeing a, a, a non signing a non non binding contract with Audi to join um, Sauber in 2025. Now, that's crazy for me because I'm looking at his time at Ferrari. I'm thinking you've still got so much more to kind of prove and to show and to do. But where do you think this comes from for for science? Well, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, yeah, he's still got a lot of, a lot to you know to show and and you know he hasn't really. Fulfilled. To, I don't yeah, feel exactly. Like, yeah. I think that's the good way to put it. He's not really fulfilled what he's able to achieve at Ferrari, and that mm. is not really anything against Carlos. That's the situation Ferrari found themselves in. Um, but there's a there's a bit of history there, and you know, remember, science has driven for so many teams up and down that pit lane already. So he's yeah. worked with a lot of people. A key thing is Andreas Seidel, who was at McLaren. I think I'm 99 sure he was at McLaren when Carlos was there, or if not, it was just after. Um, and so he would have had some conversations with Carlos. He's now become the team principal of um, of the Audi team when it comes like that. I think yeah. from 2026 or whenever it was. Yeah. And um, and you know knowing someone like that. Plus also Andreas has a very very good reputation. I know him from sports cars because he was the uh, he was the team principal of Porsche when um, when they were in the World Endurance Championship before okay. he went to McLaren. Right. And he's he's very very highly respected. So I think if he knows him from that. That could be an interesting link. And then obviously you've got Frederick Vasseur, who used to be the team boss at Alfa Romeo, now obviously at Ferrari. So mm. there's that link there where they could have had a few discussions. But I think that's a really interesting move. And the other thing is as well is Audi have this unbelievable habit of every single type of racing they go into. They are unbelievably successful. Mm. And on any level, at sports cars, they dominated for years. DTM, they dominated Rally cars, they dominated. So everything Audi does, they take it very seriously. And the fact that Audi have cancelled their Formula E programs, their GT programs, purely to put all this effort into Formula One, I don't think that's actually that bad a move from Carlos. Yeah. I think that Audi... You think he could be potentially ahead of the curve, kind of like maybe when Alonso moved yeah. to Aston Martin. Yeah, I think that Audi is, is really going to be a serious force to be reckoned with. And the other thing with Audi, coming from a manufacturer, is it's not just Audi. Audi is owned by Volkswagen Group. Mm. So this is effectively going to be the de facto factory team for Volkswagen Group, which includes all the brands like Bugatti, Lamborghini, um, but obviously Volkswagen itself. So there's some unbelievable resources there. So I actually think, you know, it's it's surprising, but I don't think that would be a bad move for someone like Science. Do you think he would kind of go in 
obviously we don't know who the second driver will be, but will he be, if he's uh, maybe signing a pre-contract, do you think he's going in as a kind of like a lead driver driver for, for them? Or do you think they could go and bring in another massive name as well and just have them fight out? Obviously it's too early maybe to tell, but. Yeah, well, I think, I think it's a really interesting one because, you know, the one thing with Carlos is, as I said, because he's driven with so many teams, he's seen so many different philosophies mm. and how so many different teams work. From that side of it, he's actually very, very valuable rather than someone like, say, Charles Leclerc, who's only been at Alfa Romeo, which, which is going to become Audi. Yeah. Um, and Ferrari, you yeah. know, Carlos has got a lot more visibility on how different philosophies and structures work. The other thing is Audi have some very, very serious drivers on their books and have done for a couple of years. Mm. So it wouldn't surprise me to see potentially them bringing in a rookie from their books um, into into Formula One mm. if they do go for someone as experienced as science. I mean, that remains to be seen because there's been a big exodus of Audi drivers since they pulled out. You know, there's, they've, they're going to let go of 14 of their professional drivers oh, at really? the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so... I, but I think you'll see Carlos become a de facto team leader in that situation. Yeah, that's going to be so interesting to see because yeah. I just, I can't imagine Carlos is signing this without really, like you said, knowing that this is going to be a strong team. You don't want to leave Ferrari and the next thing you know, Audi are, you know, messing around in the middle of the field. But if they've got all this backing behind them, all this all this money behind them as well, there must be some big expectations coming from them to maybe, I don't know, is it is it possible for an F1 team in their first season to even think of a title fight or is that just that's just too much to ask without so much maybe information and data it's too much to ask especially since the FIA brought in the copycat regulation which basically <laughs> meant that if you remember Racing Point effectively copying Mercedes a couple of years ago and yeah. being in the COVID era and then obviously we had the same with Haas when they first came in it was basically a Ferrari yeah um, I think with the regulations like that now it will be hard but I mean, having been around Audi for, for most of my professional career because of the sports car thing, yep. I've seen that the level that they operate and how they go into things and they will be a force to be reckoned with. Mm. No, I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to speak about copy copycats in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also in the news, Red Bull are rumoured to um, already be focusing on 2024 car coming into the second half of the season, while Mercedes are rumoured to be bringing in more upgrades um, to their current car, the W14. Um, do you think Mercedes should be following in Red Bull's kind of footsteps and focusing on, on next year's car? Or do you still think there's something to salvage from this season? Obviously, we know that the two titles are, are basically done. So what what kind of benefits do you have from continuing to bring upgrades to this season, do you think? Well, I think for Mercedes, they, there'll be a lot of benefit for them because they're in a serious fight for those constructors, uh, yeah. championship points and those positions. As you say, the P1 for the Drivers' Championship and for the Constructors is pretty much a done deal. So mm. for Red Bull, it, it would make sense if they started to shift their focus because they're in a league of their own at the minute. Yeah. Um, but for Mercedes, you know, there's a very real chance that they could finish second, but there's mm. a very real chance that they could finish fourth as well. And just to put that into perspective, I don't know the exact numbers because it changes every year, but that's probably a difference of about 10 to $15 million in prize money, yeah. which is a serious, serious amount of money. Mm. So... I would, uh, for Mercedes, there's definitely gains to be had by uh, continuing to develop this year's cars. But Red Bull, it, it makes no sense, to be mm. honest. Yeah, I think I think with Red Bull as well, uh, we're kind of hoping that they maybe don't focus on next year's cars. When, they, <laughs> yeah, when exactly. they put their focus to a car, it's a serious <laughs> problem. I'm kind of like thinking to myself, maybe you could just keep this, this year's version, <laughs> if you don't mind, and just keep it at that. Um, but speaking of this year's version, Alfa Tari, 
Um, there's rumours suggesting that they are to become Hugo Boss Balls Racing, which is quite a cool name. That's I a cool say. name. I, I like, like that. that name, Hugo. And Hugo Boss Hugo in, Boss Formula, Balls in Formula One, that would just be quite stylish. You yeah, know? yeah, you'd assume so. Everybody in that team would have to dress up in suits and whatnot. Um, due to an ongoing discussion with Hugo Boss, the team are also rumoured to be take, to be using uh, the RB19, which is the current um, car in 2024. Now, is that allowed? <laughs> because you're, we just spoke about copying and mimicking cars. That is effectively what this is, is taking this year's car. And if they do take this year's car, obviously we know other teams are going to upgrade, look to improve. But that is a strong car to take to next season. Oh, yeah. Minimum, you'd want to be probably aiming for about podium position. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and honestly, with the, with the re regulations staying fairly stagnant next year, it really won't make that big a difference. So this year's Red Bull will still be very, very competitive next year. No yeah. question, because of the level it's at. It's a different one with Red Bull and Alpha Tauri slash Hugo Boss or whatever that's going to end up becoming because Red Bull actually is the funding thing behind Alpha Tauri. So yeah. I don't know how the licensing works. I don't know how the naming of the licensing works and that's something that only the FIA will know. Mm. But there might be a loophole there whereby um, they can get away with giving it to to Red Bull, uh, to Alpha Tauri purely mm. because they literally, they own the team they and they the fund team, the team. Yeah. So then you could argue <laughs> that it's actually it's coming from their own source and everything and it's not a copycat thing you know the copycat thing would be literally where someone just takes a lot of pictures and does a direct copy of it yeah um so there could be some it's loopholes like four there. cars on the grid then if you're christian horner yeah yeah basically <laughs> exactly and that and we've seen that with red bull and they use <laughs> alpha tauri how as and how they want and they have done in the past yeah um so i'm not sure how that's going to go but if they do take that Red Bull next year, they will be seriously competitive. No mm. question at all. Did, did Mercedes have kind of like a similar relationship with Williams at the point where Williams were really doing very well with Master and Boss? Obviously, we know they have the same kind of engine provider, but they were so quick, Williams, it felt like they were almost well, yeah, the um, second Mercedes at that point. In, yeah, um, I mean, and that's the time. thing. They, 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 were the, they were the powertrain provider, but also they provided the gearbox as well. And the gearbox, everyone just thinks of the gearbox like they do in their road car, like, oh, I changed gear. There's a lot of things which the, where the gearbox makes a huge difference, you know, suspension mounting points, chassis mounting points, and there's a that you can actually make some huge, huge differences through that. So the... Um, yeah, there was a period when Williams were very strong and I'm sure Mercedes were aware of that. But mm. it's a bit different for Red Bull and AlphaTauri because Red Bull, you know, will always have the power to be able to do what they want with that team. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And in next season, it'd be interesting to see Ricardo, you've got Sonoda, you've got Liam Lawson, who is in mm. those seats as well. And obviously what happens in the senior team. But I, if they win drivers and, and constructors, as we've been kind of saying over the last week, even though Perez is under pressure, his contract isn't actually running out. So unless they're going to, you know, pay to, to... Would they have to pay him to kind of pay him off to take him out of that contract? Yeah, I mean, it, it's different. But also the other thing is with Perez is, is, as I said, he's still, you know, Helmut Marko made a good point. He's still running second in the championship. Exactly, yeah. He get, seems to get on okay with Max at yeah. the minute. And Which so he, a big thing. Yeah, and so he's doing everything. And he's marketable, like you've said as well. Yeah, I think I saw some crazy stat the other day, like Red Bull's most powerful market at the minute is Central America, is Central mm. and South America. And you mm. wonder why that is, right? Um, uh, so... I don't, you know, I don't see any reason to get to, to change at the minute. But mm. there is, uh, it seems like with the, the influx of drivers who want to come into Formula One next year, it does seem like we're going to have a situation where there's no, there's, there's not no enough seats. seats on the grid. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking as well, because there are some, you've spoken about some really good talented drivers that are coming through and it's like, 
I'm looking at the grid now and it's quite strong. I'm not yeah. seeing too many weak points as I've seen in previous years where I'm like, yep, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. He's here because of money from his dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you know what exactly. I mean? I'm not, I'm not seeing as much of that anymore. Yeah. So it is, it is a difficult one. Um, De Vries um, being linked with uh, several uh, Formula E teams as well as a potential return to the endurance racing um, in light of his departure from F1 as well. Um, what, what can we kind of expect from De Vries now? Obviously, I don't know if he would take a be looking to take a break maybe at this current moment after just coming out of F1? Like what's, no, what's the I, I, I know what Nick's like. And there's, I, I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if he decided to take a break. He'll want to be back in something as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, as I've said before, Nick is Nick's street cred in every single series around the world, no matter what happens. Because everyone, everyone in motorsport kind of knows Formula One is its own kettle of fish. And yeah. it really, you know, that what happens in Formula One kind of happens. Stays in, in, Formula, stays in Formula One. And <laughs> yeah. people realize it's a very different ball game. It's like so. when you, you go off, I don't know, like to a Vegas and it's like, yeah. whatever happens out there. Don't worry, when you come home, everything's exactly. okay. <laughs> it makes, unless you do something so consistently yeah. bad, you know, like for example, you, you have some drivers like Pastor Maldonado, obviously we called him Crashed Maldonado because yeah. he kept crashing in F1. Yeah. Well, yeah, when he came to, when he came to sports cars, he still kind of had that reputation and, yeah. you know, he had a few costly shunts and that's, so that side of it. But in terms of performance, everyone knows how good Nick was yeah. in Formula E and sports cars. So, um, and also IndyCar when he tested in that, um, mm. I think it was at the end of last year. Or the end of the year before, sorry. Um, so he'll he'll be he'll be in something next year, and he'll be in something competitive, and and he'll he'll win in whatever he's in, hundred mm. percent. How how difficult is it to go from the mindset of because obviously Formula One is the pinnacle of of the sport, but like you said, there's so many other great categories where listen, as a ra if you're a racing driver, you're going to have just as much motivation to go into those categories and and do well. It's the same basics yeah. as go karting, which is I want to race against people and I want to win. But how difficult is it to go from that mindset to Formula One to then go into different categories in terms of just the different cars and the different ways of driving and the different skill sets, tracks, and how difficult is it to quickly shift, I guess, your I mean, your Formula mindset? One is seen as the pinnacle of the sport because of the, the prestige the of it and, yeah. you know, the, what it is. The eyes on it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Premier League is seen as the pinnacle of football, but that yeah. doesn't mean that the players who are playing in the top clubs in France or the Serie A or La Liga yeah. or, or the Bundesliga or anything, that doesn't mean that they're, they're not world-class, top-quality footballers. Yeah. Uh, and the clubs aren't world-class top quality clubs yeah it just the way the way it goes and if you don't make it and then you end up making a very good career there's plenty of drivers who who looked at it and they had the chance to go to formula one where everyone knows it's like swimming in a piranha pond yeah and you have you have to basically you know you have one shot effectively or you can go to other teams and consistently make a good living and have a very very good life yeah um so in terms of in terms of that side of it it's really it's not that different um, because, you know, every time you get in a racing car, your job is to get in and do the best job you can with it. And some yeah. cars will suit you and some cars won't suit you. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, we'll, we'll all be able, he'll be able to adapt quite easily. And also he's already competed in sports cars, Formula E and everything. And he had yeah. no problems at all. So yeah, he literally just come from Formula E, isn't it? Exactly. So, yeah. you know, Formula E is a bit different because obviously the racing so particular and the cars are, you know, they're, they're, they're not really proper, ra okay, they're racing cars because anything that you race is a racing car, but it's not got, for example, it's got all-weather tyres. It's not slick tyres. Obviously, there's no engine. Yeah. You know, there's no gearbox like a regular car. I mean, yeah. they have gearboxes, but they don't have like a regular six, seven-speed gearbox like yeah. we have. So it is a different mentality, but he'll he'll do a couple of tests and he'll be he'll be straight fine. What, what is it like to drive in Formula E? Is it kind of... Is it a stepping stone kind of? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's again, the whole aim for any racing driver is, 
you know, of course, a lot of drivers, a lot of drivers want to do different things. You know, I never, for example, when I was young, I never really cared about Formula One. I always mm. wanted to be a sports car driver because okay. I, I thought Le Mans cars were cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, And still yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Formula E is the sort of thing I find very, very difficult to get excited about because okay. I like noisy V8s and, you know, noise is half of my passion with motorsport and yeah. Formula E cars sound like a remote control car. Oh, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> and the drivers... <laughs> You know, I'm not I'm not going to say some of the terms that they've described them to me, but the drivers don't enjoy driving them so much. OK, um, but it's again, it, it's being they're making money driving racing cars. So yeah. they're, they're fulfilling what their career ambition was. Of course, for most drivers, when they start, the ambition is to become Formula One world champion. Yeah. Um, and then the next best thing is to make a career as a racing driver. Yeah, no, 100 um, percent. Just like in any sport, really. Exactly. Uh, Oscar Piastri and uh, Lando Norris as well. We're at the MotoGP in Silverstone. You was there, wasn't you? No, no, he no. He wasn't there? No. That I, is shocking. I, I know. I know. It's actually really bad. <laughs> what? No, I was in a, I had to do two days in Istanbul last week okay. um, and it was I, I arrived at like 2.45 on the day I arrived and then got home at 2.45 two days later so I was like nah I'm having a weekend off man yeah. <laughs> would you ever see you would never see bikers going into really cars and well I mean like when Valentino Rossi tested for Ferrari a few times in mm. Formula 1 and Valentino Rossi is actually now racing in GT3 um and he's um he's getting he's actually starting to get a lot better mm. now he's putting in the the miles it feels but like somebody going from ufc to boxing yeah it's, it's very different it's completely <laughs> you can't you can't match the two uh, <laughs> and you know it's those but honestly moto gp riders are completely mental yeah they, i have so much respect yeah. for those guys. i remember when we was at yeah. silverstone you was telling me about them and just the 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 speeds that they go at around the corners at the angles is just stupid. Yeah, well, I mean, basically they, your head is nearly touching the ground. Their head's nearly on the ground. They're using their <laughs> elbows to support themselves, Ridiculous. you know, and their knees are rubbing on it. But not just that. I mean, acceleration-wise, they are way faster than Formula One cars. Yeah. Way, way faster. I mean, they and are. The in, accidents are just oh, mate, way more yeah. dangerous. And uh, no you, protection. You know, these guys are crazy. I remember, like, I've I did I um cut the tendons in my hand when I was uh when I was in an accident at home when I was I don't know 12, 13. Yeah. And because I wanted to get back ready for the karting season as quick as I can I went mm. and did some oxygen therapy which basically increases the healing process because it does some oxygen treatment you go in a hyperbaric chamber they put you down to the equivalent of 30 meters below sea level and then they put some lasers to activate blood cells and I, it, it, yeah it's better my recovery process by like really? yeah but I was supposed to be out for six months I was out for two months that is some expensive <laughs> recovery. Though, isn't it? Like, it that ain't part of NHS healthcare. Do you know what I'm no, saying? I'm You're going to pay for that. But uh, the guy, he, um, the guy asked for a signed picture from every driver that um, or athlete that he's had there. Yeah. And like 90% motorcyclists. And he says his biggest clients by far is motorcyclists. Yeah. Casually coming in, broken arms, broken <laughs> legs, you know. And literally, like they break their bones during the weekend and they'll still race. Yeah, like Mark, I think Mark Marquez broke five. They don't have a reserve driver that can come no, in. No, they literally, yeah, it's just completely bonkers. And it's like, for example, when it rains as well, they don't change tires. They just have a wet bike and a dry bike. So they pit, they jump off one bike and get on the other bike. <laughs> <laughs> it's bonkers. A wet, a wet bike and a dry bike, yeah. that's all they have. Just literally straight hop off on one and back on the other and off they go. Wow. <laughs> But a mad respect for them. Yeah, it is honestly, it's uh, it's it's another it's another ball game that. And and in terms of the tracks on on MotoGP, what what kind of tracks are? We, is it like uh, a different way of kind of 
because obviously we've got like Spa, we've got some quite creative and original tracks in F1. Would you be able to do the same kind of tracks in, in MotoGP or is there a different way of structuring the no, kind of they track use, they use a lot of the Formula One circuits, you know, obviously okay. Silverstone this weekend. Um, Spa actually has a famous bike race. Um, but the problem is with MotoGP is whilst we prefer tarmac runoffs for, for racing cars to yep. slow us down because yep. it's the best way to get friction, um, motorcyclists hate them because obviously when they fall off their bike and they're sliding on their leathers, yep. it doesn't slow them down that much and they obviously get the tarmac effect of carpet burn yeah. and which can go through their leathers. Yeah. Uh, they actually prefer gravel because what happens is their bodies dig into the gravel yeah. and then they start tumbling at God knows what speed, but it actually slows them down before they inevitably hurl into the fence. Jeez. I mean, it's just bonkers. MotoGP is one of those ones where I'm just looking at them. Actually, just I'm genuinely scared watching yeah. watching the racing because it yeah. is like but any, on edge constantly. And it and it was great. Like any little touch, it's not like Formula One. Like any yeah. little, any little touch is tr catastrophic. It's yeah. not just you know, oh, we'll just clip wheels going side by side, and you know, maybe a little bit of a front wing comes off. Oh. If you touch, it's, it's that's it really. It's mad. And you know, again, Silverstone this weekend, that MotoGP, they put on a really really good event. I wasn't there this year, but I've been in the past but they had concerts every night and there was 106,000 people over the weekend wow um, so it's it's getting seriously popular so honestly I can say to anyone who hasn't seen MotoGP it's well worth seeing it's mind blowing yeah and and obviously Lando and uh, Oscar were there well I hope that I hope they're not thinking of leaving us and going uh, over to, to I am willing I am willing to bet there will be about three pages in their contracts which will explain the reasons why they can't go to MotoGP <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure it's a madness what talk to me about contracts as well because we were speaking just before we we start recording about mm. breaks in contracts because like, whenever I look mm. at you know Formula One drivers if I see the contracts long I automatically assume that they're not going anywhere anytime soon mm. but there are you were saying there are breaks in contracts and clauses that can kind of yeah. give you an allowance to go and move teams potentially depending on performance or yeah there's significant performance clauses in there so from both the team side and the driver's side so for example if the driver's not within a certain performance range of his teammate there can often be break clauses in there or salary reductions yeah um, there's they were speaking about potentially a salary reduction for Perez I don't know if that was a, like a real report but that was a, I mean yeah I've seen rumor. I've seen that I've seen that going around whether it's whether it's true or not I mean these are the, the details of the contracts but yeah they're not unheard of. Then for the teams as well, um, you can be sure that someone like Lando Norris will probably have a, a points clause in his contract um, for McLaren with the, you know, saying, okay, this year we've got to get a certain number of points. Otherwise I'm allowed to search for, for new employment. Um, it's quite common, but also it's, it's a bit like in football where, you know, because one of the things I've seen, as, as, as we mentioned before the show, was that uh, Leclerc might be signing a six-year contract with Ferrari. Yeah. And you think that's a long, long time. But, mm. you know, I don't you remember when Alan Pardew signed an eight-year contract with Newcastle. Yeah. You know, so the, uh, contracts in sport are always kind of like, oh, we it, it's more just an annoyance to get over. If you want someone or someone wants to go, there's not really much you can do to actually keep them there mm. um, if they're not happy about it. You've seen it with footballers when they, you know, even though they've got a contract, if they don't want to play, they just don't come to training. Yeah. Which, you know, we can't do that. Nobody. <laughs> Does that really happen in Formula 1? No. When was the last time someone really, like, spit their dummy, up, dummy out? I can't really remember uh, someone like, refusing to race or something. For well, I, I think we remember the whole Oscar Piastri saga, which of was course, going on yeah. last year, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was a do you know what? Ago. I continue <laughs> to keep blaming Alpine for that whole saga because they tried to tie up Alonso on a new yeah. contract 
and they completely forgot that they had Oscar in their in their wings. And it was like, if you weren't gonna bring Oscar into the into the team, then yeah. Oscar was obviously gonna be looking for a new team to, uh, to join in, in in the grid. And he was testing a lot with Alpine last year. We were racing, I was racing in Monza at um, the European Le Mans series last year. And um, on the Wednesday before the event, Oscar was testing all day on his own with, uh, with the previous year's Alpine. So they were doing a lot of mileage trying to get Oscar ready. It just, Whatever Who they happened, planning didn't on make getting rid of? They had Ocon there, they had Alonso there. They wanted to keep Alonso. Ocon wasn't going anywhere. What, did yeah. they think they could put three drivers out on the grid? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was just weird. And, you know, Formula One, it, Formula One, honestly, is a very doggy dog world. You yeah. have to oh, always yeah. be on I your toes. I could tell from that part of the yeah. Netflix series. It's it evil. is ruthless. People yeah. are gossiping, it's, it's not, having it's conversations, it's going in between little pat- Yeah, it's just And there's so much stressful. going on that, that we don't know about, yeah. honestly. We only, we only know 5% of what's going on in that paddock. It must be so stressful as well when you're oh, coming up horrendous. to that point where you're you're not sure what your two drivers will be as a team principal and yeah. then you've got rumours circulating about other team principals potentially talking to your drivers. What are like the rules yeah. on that? Because are you allowed to kind of speak I, uh, what no, is it's not like football. You can talk whenever you, you want. Talk, you contact, can talk, contact, no you problem want, yeah. with people in contrast. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, and even difference. so, then if you want, you just go for a coffee with someone. <laughs> just go for a coffee. <laughs> you know? just, we're just ha- t- catching up on old times. Yeah, exactly. On, and it's constantly moving and constantly swimming as well. You have to be unbelievably ruthless and unbelievably thick-skinned. Yeah. And um, it, it's, it's, it's brutal. Really, really brutal. And it, it's something that I really don't like because... Don't get me wrong; it's a performance sport and everything. And and don't we will as as an athlete and you know everybody in that game will do everything they can to possibly win. Yeah. Um. But there's some horrendous people. Well, not people, <laughs> but there's some horrendous things that good people end up doing in yeah. Formula One. Um. And stories I've I've heard over the years, which I probably can't repeat on here, but it's really not cool. Really, <laughs> it's really not cool. Makes you really, really question the sport sometimes. Really? Yeah, it's not nice, man. Does really it just come nice. from the pressure of performance and the money and? Yeah, it's like, but it's like anything. Whenever pressure and money gets involved, then then certain things happen. Yeah. And, and it's always like that. And the problem is. It's very different to football, whereas in football, the players kind of have more power than the teams. Yeah. Um, because, but in, whereas in Formula, you know, because there's so many teams out there who want certain players. Yeah. Formula One, it's very, very different because until you get yourself into a position of, say, Lewis or Fernando or someone like that, who's very, very secure. top, top driver in the in the, in the field where yeah you just where like, you can go wherever you want yeah exactly where you you're in that position which just takes quite a long time to get in there yeah especially nowadays where you don't have the test uh, you don't have any testing you remember lewis had about seven thousand kilometers of testing before he came into formula one mm. um you know the problem is you know that there's about six thousand people who want your job yeah <laughs> and there's only 20 seats and there's all sorts of politics and everything that gets involved it's not yeah. based on pure performance of course we've seen that before with exactly. you know ownership and son i want you in this seat and you know exactly 100%. and and then you get there and it's 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 you know that's where the challenge kind of begins honestly getting there is not really the hard part staying <laughs> there's the hard part staying you know? there's the hard part yeah because again it's not purely performance related yeah and you know you look at nico hulkenberg the guy You're constantly networking yeah yeah, <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg, I think it was his rookie season. He qualified on pole in Brazil when Williams was underperforming and he looked great and everyone was saying how good he was and all that. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Maldonado comes along with Venezuelan state oil sponsorship. Mm. And, and also, it's, it. It, you're like, it is about your marketability as well, yeah. isn't it? And if the team feel like as if they they have a driver that could help them get a certain sponsorship, yeah. then they're potentially going to take your spot. And it used to be very different because when there was, there literally used to be no testing ban. So it wasn't like a certain mileage restriction. It was just unlimited. Mm. So all the teams had separate test teams and they'd be testing like five days a week. Yeah. So then 
having a role as a third driver actually wasn't bad because you were probably driving, I don't know, 150, 200 days a year. You yeah. were nonstop on track. It was yeah. ridiculous. And, um, you know, so then when an opportunity, so, and all the timings would be available. So you could still prove yourself even in testing, even if it's not in the public eye. And go up against the, the, the go drivers up against the current race the team. Seats, yeah. Race drivers. So people would see your performance and there's a lot of drivers who came into very good seats because of how they did as a test driver. Yeah. But now, because there's no testing allowed, except for a couple of in-season tests where yeah. there's so much stuff that they need to try, it's very, very hard to actually prove yourself if you get knocked off that perch and yeah. then deal with all the other BS and politics. Honestly, it's it's really, you've got to be incredibly thick-skinned for it. Yeah, it's just it's it just gives credit to the guys that are at the top of the, the, the kind of the game where they can't be yeah. messed around. They, they're undisputed legends. And yeah. It's come from obviously proving yourself winning races constantly, but there's guys probably behind them that are capable of doing that yeah but they're never going to get the opportunity you, because if, of the politics yeah i tell you if i was in if i was in formula one you'd be stressed yeah you'd be very stressed <laughs> uh, the, the management team you'd have around you you'd have a proper sports management co uh, company i then have the best lawyer that i could afford i was about to say that yeah <laughs> the best, the best <laughs> you're gonna have to sue somebody <laughs> the best banker i could afford yeah. and probably brock lesnar just in case things got really out of hand you know <laughs> it's very much necessary just in case anything goes left um but listen it's been a it's been a great show it's really good to talk about the contracts and kind of like what happens behind the scenes in the politics because you it's very easy to just see the race and think okay that's it but even the mental state going into the race is probably you know mm. compromised or the factors because of all these things happening off the off the track as well so to be able to kind of i don't know when you sit in that seat kind of just let go of all of that stuff mm. if you've had an argument with team principal there's politics or you know what's coming it later on down the line in the season because you can see what's happening around you but just to focus and still drive that car and put the performance yeah. in is, is is pretty impressive I, I remember there were drivers that were i can't think of any examples currently but there were drivers that were in teams and they almost knew their fate at the end of the season and it's like you don't even like the team or the people around you anymore but you're still trying to put the performance in because you're trying to get a new seat so yeah. it's just it's and that exactly you're you're going you're going against you're, you're trying to prove yourself with people who don't believe in you yeah and they've like resigned themselves to not believe in you so there's going to be no way you you can change their mind yeah and don't get me wrong it's different with the direct members of the team the mechanics and the engineers they will always try and work at the 110 percent for you that, yeah. that's that's very very different but you know when the greater picture exactly. is not behind you that is what starts to have a serious effect yeah well rich it's been an absolute pleasure what a show oh, yeah um, i loved it mate brilliant honestly and and hope you guys have enjoyed at home make sure you subscribe make sure you like and listen, I will see you guys next time on On Track GP. Looking forward to the content that's coming up. We are still craving, dying to go go-karting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We keep talking about it. Every time we meet up, we're like, we have to go go-karting. Hopefully it will happen soon. And obviously we want to see the racing coming back as well. I don't like summer breaks whatsoever. I want to see the racing, but let's see. But we've um, got some cool content coming we up in do, the next few exactly. weeks. Some really cool stuff's going to come we out. Do. So we'll keep you entertained. We're going to keep sure. you entertained. Um, maybe we'll have our own, our own racing, do you know what I'm saying? Our, <laughs> our own Grand Prix, On Track Grand Prix. Um, until next time, see you guys. In a bit, people. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.